This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by... MLB Pipeline prospect expert Jim Callis. Jim, thank you for joining me. I'm glad to be here, Jordan. Uh, we are we are without our our compatriot, Mr. Jonathan Mayo, today as he's on vacation. I was missing last week on vacation, but I'm happy to be back and talking prospects with you, Jim. Jim, I guess did you you had your European semi vacation, or is there a vacation coming up, or, or should we be concerned? No, no, that was um, yeah. I mean, it was a it was. It was well, it was a vacation. I wasn't working over there, watching my son play in the uh, in the uh, European B pool qualifier. But you know, Jonathan's gone to Amsterdam, so we may never see him again. Oh wow! I didn't realize he was also uh, on a on a Euro a Euro trip. Uh, well, cool. Well, yes. well, we'll have. To- and I will probably go back to see my my son in at Oxford at some point during the fall at a at a date to be determined. So. There you go. All right. Well, we got you for now, which means we have plenty of, of prospecting uh, to discuss. Uh, we're going to get uh, to some some hot starts uh, from, from some, some 2019 draftees. We're going to talk about the greatest hitter on earth, Aristides Aquino. Yes, you may not have heard of him before this past week, but he is hitting a home run every single day. We're going to talk about uh, one of the newest additions to the MLB Pipeline Top 100, as well as another prospect, pitching prospect who just earned a promotion. And then maybe at the end, we'll get to some Rookie of the Year chat. But let's start with an article uh, that Jonathan wrote and, and is not here to to discuss, uh, but we can talk about uh, the good work that he put together which uh, on MLBPipeline.com right now, which is basically the, the 2019 draft picks that have gotten off to some pretty crazy hot starts. And let's start with uh, maybe the biggest name on this list uh, who was picked in the top 10. That's high school shortstop C.J. Abrams who the the San Diego Padres selected and uh he's been just absolutely ridiculous I believe he's still hitting he, he hit 400 in the Arizona League and, and then he got he got promoted to the Midwest League I mean people loved CJ Evans coming into the draft but this is about as good as you could possibly hope for a high school hitter uh in his first not even full pro season would you say that yeah it is I mean with the caveat that I tend not to get too excited one way or the other about how guys doing their debuts because you know, a lot of these guys have had layoffs and or they're exhausted if they had an especially long college season. It's a huge transition. They're, they're using wood bats, you know, on a regular basis against the best pitching they've seen on a most consistent basis or, you know, for pitchers, you know, obviously facing the best competition they faced. But, but you know, I, I remember, you know, Chipper Jones and, and Derek Jeter not doing much in rookie ball. Um, they seemed like they turned out okay. I remember Matt Tuiasosopo hitting for something in the Arizona League, and he didn't wind up being a superstar. But but all that said, that you know, if you're a team, you you would much rather see your guy do well, and you certainly don't expect even a guy who was number six overall pick in the draft to come out and, and hit almost 400 in his first taste of pro ball. I mean, it's I don't think he's necessarily really doing anything, Jordan, that we didn't think he could do. I mean, I'm not going to say we, we saw 400, but I mean, he was one of the better 
high school hitters in the draft. He, he was one of the fastest high school players in the draft. He has some, some sneaky pop and, and he's kind of lived up to that. Just, I, I think a little bit more extreme than, than we might've thought from day one. But um, you know, it, it's not like this is a fluke and you know, it, it's not like, you know, Nick Madrigal say if Nick Madrigal came out and hit 15 home runs and all of a sudden we're like, Whoa, where'd that power come from? We didn't see that coming. I mean, CG Abrams has just kind of been as good as, as we thought he was going to be, but but just, you know, performing at an extremely high level statistically. Right. And it feels like, as you mentioned, it can definitely depend, you know, if the guys had a long college season. Uh, I guess I was just surprised because I feel like uh, I'm used to seeing some, some young high school hitters. Those are the guys that maybe come out and, and hit 200 in the Arizona league. And I remember we saw that with Austin Beck a few years ago and it took him a few years to get going. Now on the flip side, the number one overall pick Adley Rutschman, I believe is still hitting like 230 uh, in the New York Penn league. So of course you can't, you can't judge these things uh, by the first, uh, the first few months, but um, nonetheless, it is still, it is still good to see, as you mentioned, the teams are team. Uh, players succeeding uh, out of the gate than not uh, another another couple shortstops Bryson Stott Greg Jones guys on, uh, on the college side those guys have both been really succeeding in the New York Penn League um, those are both maybe slightly different prospects but uh, good to see that from from those college shortstops you'd say yeah you know and Greg Jones was the guy we talked about you know the Rays first round pick that at the end of the draft was on fire you know his, his stock was soaring you know as much as anybody's just about on the college side as the draft approached and and he's continued to, to swing a hot bat and pro ball I mean again now I, I don't think you know as we're saying that the New York Penn League necessarily says okay this is who he is but you know there is a little question on his hit ability um, you know you know, maybe, you know, he's considered more of an average hitter and he's certainly been better than that. Um, you know, there is some swing and miss. I mean, he's hitting like close to 500 when he puts balls in play, which is kind of crazy. I, I, I'll go out on a limb, Jordan, and say that he's not going to keep that going. And, you know, and Bryson Stott, I mean, you know, Stott, we, there was going to be one of the better college hitters was going to slide a little bit more than expected. And it turned out that guy was Bryson Stott in the, Phillies were, were glad to grab him with the number 14 overall pick. Um, and, you know, he was seen as a guy who could hit for average and maybe some power and, and be a pretty solid defender. And, and he's done all that. I, I think his performance, you know, he, uh, these shortstops we're talking about, I, I think his performance probably is most in line, both tools wise and statistically what you would have expected um, you know, just he's he's been every bit the, the you know top half of the first round guy he was supposed to be, and playing the game that made him a top half of the first rounder. Right, because I I know Stott at one point was uh, maybe not his junior season, but but before it was like oh this guy could be a, a top five pick. But as you mentioned, you never know with the college hitters they sometimes could slide a little bit. I want to touch on some 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 later round hitters uh, that Jonathan mentioned because of course as you mentioned the first rounders are the first rounders and you're not going to necessarily change your evaluation based on the first few months, but. And also list some some non first round hitters who have been uh, excellent and Peyton Burdick outfielder with the Miami Marlins who was a third round pick out of Wright State has been completely ridiculous he's he's posting an OPS uh, still over a thousand uh, far in professional baseball or at least close to it uh, this is a guy who had a, a pretty solid sophomore season and a huge uh, junior season at Wright State. Uh, is this the kind of guy that, you know, Marlins have been betting a lot on tools, both in the draft and in their trades. Would you say that he he kind of fits that that kind of, we saw them also draft Cameron Meisner. What kind of player could we expect Peyton Burdick to be? Yeah, you know, he was interested. He was a guy they liked, but they also got a discount on because he was a redshirt junior. He missed all of 2017 with Tommy John surgery. Came back, had a, he was Horizon League tournament MVP in 2018. And while that's not the most strenuous conference, I mean, he was their conference player of the year 
this year. He hit 407 with 15 homers and 24 steals. He's, you know, he's got, you know, some of the best. He had, I mean, his, his raw power is legit. I mean, the, the power he's hitting for, that's legit. He's got a, a definite right field arm. He's, you know, moves better than you think for a guy who's six foot two ten. You know, they, they may have something here. You know, it was interesting because, you know, Wright State, they, they had two guys who had huge offensive years, him and Seth Gray. And I like Seth Gray a little bit more when we were lining guys up for our draft top 200. And Seth Gray made it toward the end of the list. And Peyton Burdick just missed. And, and Peyton's been off to a great start. And uh, a quick aside, when it, you mentioned my, my European travels to go watch the European B-Pool qualifiers. The first day I was there, I looked over my shoulder and I saw a Wright State Raiders I don't know if it was a backpack or I think it was a backpack. And I turned around and I, and I looked at the guy and I was like, do you work for Wright State or do you play there? And uh, the Lithuanian's pitching coach has got him, Chris Rodriguez, who's an assistant on their staff. And I sat there and, and started asking him about Peyton Burdick and Seth Gray and J.D. Orr, who went in the top 10 rounds. The Marlins also took him. He led the NCAA in steals this year. And I, I think Chris was amazed that he was he was in uh, Slovakia and somebody was like like going back and forth, breaking down Wright State Raiders with him uh, uh, all that far away from home. So it was a good conversation we had. But it's it's funny. I was talking about Peyton Burdick in Slovakia, and since then he's just been tearing it up. The Marlins also selected J.D. Orr, and uh, he's hitting 384 with 23 steals in 46 games. So there you go. Wow. Sean Murphy, there's another one. There's another one. So, 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 gotta, gotta keep an eye out uh, for, for rights. You never know. You, you might, you might run into a Raider in Slovakia. You never are going to know. That, that is good. That is. Do you know what they call J.D. Orr at Wright State? What, what do they call him? The Base Bandit. <laughs> the Base. <laughs> That's good. I hope you think they gave him that nickname, right? You can't give yourself a nickname. No, I don't think he gave himself that, that nickname. That's good. Wow. All right. Well, well, the Marlins and Wright State. What? What a what a shocking. Maybe those two guys will be back in the same outfield uh, in Miami one day. That would really be be something special. Uh, okay. Well, we're not going to spend the whole podcast talking about Wright State, although we probably could. It sounds like we have more than enough. Deal. Um, but I do want to ask you about one other non first round hitter um, that I think you may have a special special connection to, and that's Rocky's third baseman, Aaron Shunk. Are you are you super excited that that your your fellow Georgia Bulldog has been off to an amazing start in professional baseball? Yeah, you know, and and the thing with with Shunk is a lot of guys th- like he really turned on the power at the end of his at the end of his season last year at the end of his junior season. But he was always a guy who who even though he showed you power in batting practice had more of that line drive approach uh, in games. You know, and he was he was a two way player. He's one they I think he he did win the John Olerud Award as the best two way player in college baseball this year, um, you know, good defender, but guys said, look, there's some untapped power in there. And he started to, he started to, to tap into that power toward the end of the year. Um, I want to say he wound up with 16 home runs. Um, he, he, he went on a power tear at the end of the year. Um, and he's continued to do that in pro ball. And I think he's got a chance to be a, a really solid he, – he wound up with 13 home runs. But I think he had half of them maybe in the postseason. But he's got a chance to be a really solid all-around player because I think he's going to hit for average with power. doesn't swing and miss very much. And he and he's, he plays a pretty solid third base. So, you know, again, you know, Nolan Arenado I don't think is going anywhere. But it, it's the, the Rockies – the Rockies have had this knack for for making really good draft picks in the second round. And Nolan Arenado was one of them, and it looks like Aaron Shunk could be another one. We could see him just raking all the way up, and then then he ends up stuck. The Rockies have had that issue for a while, but good problems to have, and obviously good to see some 
Georgia Bulldogs succeeding. Talk about some pitchers. Um, Jonathan lists some, some first rounders who went off to a good start. George Kirby, Nick Lodolo, Quinn Priester with the Pirates, Daniel Espino with the Indians, and Ethan Small. Any of those guys stand out to you? Nick Lodolo, may, maybe a little bit surprised that he's even pitching as much as he is after uh, after a long uh, college season. I guess you could say the same thing about Kirby. Well, I think with Lodolo, they shut him down pretty quick. Like, I, I think they want to get, like, like yeah, yeah, I think they, they, he's done for the year. But yeah, and you, with those guys, what's interesting, and again, I mean, you're hoping guys are what you thought they were. You're not that their debuts necessarily determine exactly what they're going to be. But it's interesting because you know, George Kirby, who had the best control in college baseball this year, hadn't walked anybody, at least not through his first 14 innings. Nick Lodolo was the best college pitcher, and he was polished, and he already got up to low A and looked very much at home. You know, Quinn Priester, most probably maybe the most polished high school pitcher. He's looked every bit like that. You know, who had the best arm in the draft in the first round? Daniel Espino. He's been blowing guys away and been unhittable in the Arizona League. And and then Ethan Small, you know, doesn't light up radar guns, but guys just don't see his fastball. And, you know, he's another guy who'd pitched a lot of innings, but in his first nine innings as a pro, three hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So all those guys, you know, in their, their brief introductions to pro ball, kind of living up to what made them first round picks. Uh, any of these non-first-round pitchers? Some some great names here. I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Uh, let's see. Wait, wait, Nick Mikolichak? Mikolichak? Sam Houston State. How, how do you think I did there? Yeah, he was he was one of my he was one of my draft guys. Um, he's, oh, there he's you got go. All right. Fastball, and he was on the same team with Hayden Wisniewski, who had one of the best uh, sinkers in, in college baseball. Um, so like he was he was on my radar coming in into the year. I, I will. Admit, uh, and I'll probably butcher his name here. Is it Michael Yasenka, who I think when Jonathan wrote this, um, I, I cannot tell you off the top of my head exactly what he throws, but uh, you know he came out of Eastern Illinois and he was very good at Chesapeake Junior College, averaging 14 strikeouts per nine coming into the year. So he struck out guys left and right, and he's leading all. 2019 draftees and strikeouts, at least at the time when Jonathan wrote this article. So an interesting guy as well. Yes. And uh, so uh, Jonathan mentions another Peyton B, Peyton Battenfield, Battenfield, um, who, as you, uh, as you mentioned, is probably just another, probably another, another Astros pitcher that is just going to suddenly be in the big leagues in two years. And be like, where did this guy come from? Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll wind up striking out 15 mm-hmm. guys per nine innings and we'll look up and he'll be like the number 92 uh, prospect in baseball. Like, we'll how do we exactly, miss this? Uh, how that came? Because the, the, the Astros just have amazing, do amazing work with, uh, with pitchers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, he's, his brother actually pitches in the White Sox system too. And, you know, Peyton Badfield, 32 strikeouts in his first 30 innings and, and nobody's hitting him either. Indeed, indeed. All right, so let's move away from uh, that we're just drafted to some 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 other pitchers who uh, a couple other pitchers who who have been in pro ball uh, for at least a couple years now and have have really uh, kind of exploded their stock this year. Let's start with Joe Ryan, a right-handed pitcher in the Rays organization, who uh, news just just came out that he was promoted to Double A after posting some of the best. Uh, numbers in all the minor leagues, a 179 ERA across 109 innings uh, split between the Midwest League and Florida State League. Uh, where did this guy come from? I mean, he he was at Cal State Northridge, uh, which is, of course, a decent Division One program, transfers to Cal State Stanislaus Division II, um, but it had some good numbers there before being selected in the seventh round last year. But uh, there aren't many pitchers that have, have, have raised their stock more than Joe Ryan this year. Is that, is that safe to say? Yeah, it, it's uh, he's a guy who... 
I'll admit, was not on my radar coming into the year. I mean, his numbers are crazy. I mean, he's got more than twice as many strikeouts as hits allowed, which is pretty good. And a, a six to one, or I guess it's a seven to one. I'm selling him stri- short. Seven to one strikeout to walk ratio, and it's pretty much he's got one of these guys who who just has one of those invisible fastballs, and it seems like. A lot of times when we talk about that, it seems like we're talking about lefties, but he's a righty with invisible fastball. And, you know, it's 92-96. The spin rates are pretty average, but he just is able to throw four-seamers by guys up in the strike zone. They just don't see the ball. Um, And like I said, you know, I, I don't know if there's a particular metric that explains why, but if you look at the swing and miss rates on it, it's exceptional. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what he gets it done with. I mean, that's really his best pitch. He's got a slow curveball that he pairs with it. So if you're trying to figure out how to hit that at the top of the strike zone, then he drops in the slow curveball at the bottom of the strike zone. It makes it difficult. You know, I'll be very curious to see, you know, these guys who have four seamers up in the strike zone and curveballs at the bottom of the strike zone, and you could throw them for strikes or, or locate them where you want. You could command them. They just tear up class A hitters. So I'll be very curious to see how he does now that he's in double A. Um, but can't argue with his results so far. Uh, another guy who who recently got a, a promotion of sorts, uh, a promotion from off the top 100 prospects list to on to the graduation, I believe, uh, of Luis or something, Padres, is left-handed pitcher Eric Skubal with the Detroit Tigers. Now, of course, the Tigers fans are very excited about guys, big names like Matt Manning and, and Casey Mize. Um, but, but what, what's Scooble's background? Where did he come from and how did he find himself on, on the top hundred project list? Well, he was at Seattle university and he had Tommy John surgery that kind of wiped out 2000, most of 2016, all 2017. Um, you know, he, he was known, you know, he's hard throwing lefty, you know, guys were interested in, interested in him. And he wound up uh, in 2018 Coming back, like a lot of guys with Tommy John, he battled his control. Tigers took him in the ninth round, went over slots to sign him. And he's dominated, you know, everywhere in pro ball. Um, you know, he's, he's got 157 strikeouts, 109 innings. He's been better in double A than he was in high A, and he was really good in high A. He's got 60 strikeouts in 29 innings in double A, 186 ERA. You know, part of that you know, crazy rotation with Casey Mize and, and Matt Manning. Uh, you know, where you can really dream about the future uh, there in Detroit with that, that with that pitching staff, you know, and, Al- and Alex Fido too, although I think Fido might be on the on the injured list right now. But no, it's legit. And it's one of those things, I mean, the mechanics of the way we do our list, you can't, when we add a guy to the list, like we don't just jump him up the list. But I guarantee, like now, this is about a month after we re- redid the list of midseason. If we were redoing the list today, he'd probably rank higher than 100. Well, he, he would rank higher than 100. I mean, he's not one of our top 10 left-handed pitchers, but, you know, I think you could argue him in the middle of our left-handed pitching list right now with as good as he's looked in the last, you know, six weeks. You know, especially since he's been in double A, he's been outstanding. Yeah, so and for a, for a Tigers team, you know, Tigers fans right now, not super fun watching the, uh, the major league level. I don't know if you saw what happened uh, in the game last night. Uh, against the Mariners, but, uh, you know, good old-fashioned Jose Canseco bouncing off the outfielder and going over the wall. So, you know, it... it was he concussed like DJ Stewart? Th- no, no, thankfully, and the DJ Stewart one was was not a home <laughs> run, but no, uh, Nico Goodrum and, and Brandon Dixon colliding in left center uh, to to create Kyle Seeger's third home run of the game. So, Tigers fans, you've got to look look to the farm, look to to guys like Tarek Skubal and, uh, and Casey Mize and 
and Willie Castro and all, all these these guys who, who might be a big part of your future. Uh, all right, let's move to the rookies of the year race because this is a discussion that uh, I think everyone knew this was going to be, be be a fun, especially in the National League. So many uh, quality candidates, and uh, I know, of course, as the, as a pipeline expert, you're mainly mainly focused on the minor leagues, but. I think that 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 lately uh, there's just been so much talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. and and Pete Alonso guys who, who of course you you got to watch uh, ascend to the top of, of our our prospect list over the last few years and I think Tatis might be making this might be making this a race here uh, I know the the Padres are a little bit farther out of postseason contention than the Mets are but I for for from what you've seen do you think to Tatis actually has a chance at this or if Pete Alonso hits 50 homers do you think it's not going to matter Yeah I I mean, I do think voters are more educated uh, than they used to be. I still think if Pete Alonso hits 45 or 50 homers, it might be tough to beat him, especially with Tatis missing time. But, uh, you know, if if it were me voting, like today, I'd vote for Tatis. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. And in the American League, I think a lot of people thought like, oh, this is Vlad Jr.'s to lose. Uh, But now, I mean, not that Vlad Jr. has been bad uh but he's he's not exactly you know you know hitting 400 like he was uh in the minor leagues and and it's really been about Jordan Alvarez I remember we talked about Jordan Alvarez when he was still uh in triple a putting up like a 1200 OPS um is it do you think he has has basically locked it up I, I feel like he gets lost in the in the crowd of crazy good Astros hitters or is there another American League rookie that uh that catches your eye I don't think he's locked it up because he's only played 48 games because he spent half the season to this point in the minors but if he keeps hitting like this <laughs> he's gonna win it I mean it's crazy <laughs> but like he's you know he like let's, if we doubled his number right? like I don't think he can sustain an 1137 ops but I think he's had I saw somewhere the second highest ops in baseball since he made his debut but so if we if if he he plays another 48 games between here and the end of the season which is roughly what they have left he would wind up if he continued this pace he would wind up with 34 homers and 102 RBIs in 96 games so I, I do think he's a front runner but I also do think if he tailed off um I think that uh, you know he won't have his high his counting numbers wouldn't be high enough to where it would it would lock him up if, if that makes sense. It, it is funny. I remember when we we first discussed him when he was still uh, crushing it in AAA. I remember you basically saying, "Well, I don't expect him to have an 1100 OPS <laughs> in the big leagues." Except to, <laughs> apparently, you should have because that's pretty much exactly what he's done. But yeah, I think the American League maybe maybe a little bit more open. Brandon Lau certainly having a great season for them uh, for the Rays as another good contender, but, 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 but we'll see now. Now, one guy you mentioned with Alvarez, okay. So he can have enough playing time uh, to get to maybe the counting numbers, even though he's on a pace too. now, another guy who, who literally just came up and it's probably going to be a little bit too late for him to catch Alonzo and Tatis. Although maybe I shouldn't rule him out is uh, Mr. Aristides Aquino, Mr. Aquino, who you will not find uh, currently on the Reds top 30 list, but he has taken the world by storm. He won the national league player of the week, not rookie of the week, player of the week uh, last week for his, I believe, seven homers in his first or eight homers in his first 10 games, something crazy. Um, you have a, a, an article uh, on Pipeline right now about about you know where, where he came from and how, how this happened and other players maybe similar to him in the minor leagues. But let's talk about Aquino a little bit before we get out of here. I mean, this is this is a, a truly historic hot streak, unlike we've seen from, from anybody, let alone just a rookie. Uh, what, what's what's the story with him? Where did he come from? And, and how is he managing to do this roughly? Yeah, I mean, he's always a guy who, who stood out with his raw power and arm strength. 
And, you know, he, he had success in the lower minors. He was the Reds minor league player of the year in 2016. And then he just hit the wall in double A. He, you know, he had 37 home runs in the last two years, but he had an ops of like 714. He hit 227. He, you know, didn't have a huge strikeout rate. It was about 23%, but he just chased a lot and made a lot of non-quality contact, I guess is the best way to put it, to the point where the Reds took him off their 40 man. They non-tendered him, uh, re-signed him to a minor league contract. But, you know, you know, this wasn't a guy who was getting any hype coming into the year. And then in spring training, working with the Reds hitting coaches, he adopted this, this very exaggerated open stance. Mark Shelton has a good story on our site talking about it. And, and he went and tore up AAA. And as I've said on every podcast, like a lot of guys have torn up AAA, but he did hit 28 homers in 78 games. Um, and, you know, again, they're using the major league balls and the offensive numbers are through the roof. So, again, it's hard to tell what exactly do you make of these guys with the crazy AAA numbers. Well, Yasiel Puig goes to Cleveland in the Trevor Bauer trade, and he comes up and he's hit eight home runs in 12 games, which has never been done before. A guy hitting eight home runs in his first 12 games. And he hit three in one contest. And I think he one of those was the hardest hit ball StatCast has measured all year, if I read something correctly. Yeah, it was it was one of I think, the top five hundred and eighteen yeah, yep. point something and miles an hour. Um so it's just kinda crazy how this was a guy who who looked like he wasn't gonna hit enough. You know, had some tools but looked like he wasn't gonna hit enough. Um and then, you know, who knows? I mean, if he keeps his pace up, Jordan, he's gonna wind up with forty homers in sixty games. So maybe he maybe he will win rookie of the year if he keeps that up. But um uh yeah, it, it's been pretty crazy. Uh you know, because no, nobody saw this coming. If he, I am trying to think now, just like logically, what he would have to do. I think if he basically gets to like twenty-five homers and propels the Reds to the postseason, and Alonzo and Tatis just like totally fall flat, I think he's got a shot. I think, I think that's what it's going to take. I'm rooting for it. Again, it is very seems like a fun. They got the nickname, the Punisher. The Reds fans love him, um, and you'd think it would be hard to replace Puig in terms of, of fun outfielders, but he is certainly. Uh, been been up to the test. All right, I, I want to finish with kind of a silly question. You mentioned you mentioned the the absurdity of AAA numbers, and uh, I know this isn't exactly the biggest names, but I, I am curious about this because I think if you follow MLB Pipeline uh, on Twitter or you follow even MILB, uh, you've probably uh, grown accustomed to knowing the names Kevin Crone and Tom France. These two guys are putting up numbers in even four. Four AAA are, are totally uh, blowing everything away. Uh, Ty France currently hitting 399 with 27 homers in 76 games. Kevin Crone just hit his 36th home run of the season in 68 AAA <laughs> games ridiculous. for Reno. Now it's 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 totally ridiculous. Obviously, these are already offensive environments, and now they're also using the major league ball. Now that said, both of these guys do appear on their respective teams' top 30 lists. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, based on their backgrounds and their their their, their previous uh, professional uh, uh, stats, um, do you prefer one of these guys? It's probably going to be a little bit harder for Ty France to find a spot uh, in a crowded project team. But do you believe in one of these guys more more than the other? If you had to pick, well, I, I, I like I said, <laughs> don't know what to make of, of what they're you know like translate those numbers from AAA to Double A, and they're both playing not just a Triple A but in extreme hitting environments in Triple A. If I had to pick between the two prospects, like if we were if we were talking trade, although we can't talk trade in August, so we'd get in trouble, I guess, Jordan. But uh, if we were talking trade right now and you were offering me one of those two gentlemen in exchange for whatever I was sending to you, I'd take Ty France because to me, Crone is more of a first base only DH type. Um, and Ty France, I think, is – I mean, Ty is not – 
Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, a guy he has played alongside in the Potter system in terms of that athleticism, but he can play some other positions. He's a better runner than Crone. Like, he could do more things than Kevin Crone. So I, I would give the edge to Ty France if those were my two choices. Well, and Ty France also might just hit 400. So, uh, hard He's also to, uh, a year younger too. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, so I'll go. I'll go with Ty France. All right, all right. Well, there you go. Well, on that uh, huge, huge decision between those two, uh, I think we will wrap things up. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. This was a a pleasure as always. Um, I look forward to 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 talking about Wright State. I'm sure again on on the next podcast. I uh, hope we'll have to tell Jonathan in advance. He'll have to prepare some. Some. We'll get Sean Murphy. We'll do the Sean. We'll Murphy. do. We'll do. We'll do the Sean Murphy pod. We'll do Sean Murphy pod. Uh, but Jim, thank you so much again uh, for Jim Callis. I am been your host, Jordan Schusterman, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>